What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Well, hello there, and welcome to Martin and Kathy's Coffee Binge. We're so happy that you're here today. Ah, that's good, Joe. You did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. Incoming! What if they have a method of taking our memories and uploading them into Chronicom bodies? Replace the agents, use them to take over. Probably happens all the time. Begin the next phase. I will wake the hunters one by one. Practice dying? It's kind of my superpower. Let's bring the pain to them for once. Marvel's Agents of Sheep. GBN presents Martin and Kathy's Coffee Binge. Today's binge Marvel's Agents of Shield. Alright, so welcome once again to another edition of Martin and Kathy's Coffee Binge. I'm Martin. And I'm Kathy. And we have reached the halfway point of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Episode 6, uh, Adapt or Die. And uh, we still have the same question we've had since the very beginning, which is, where's Fitz? And uh, needless to say, our public service announcement didn't do anything because we still don't know where Fitz is. Although, and that was a good public service announcement. <laughs> I got to so say. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I made it. Right. But anyway, it was a good one. But uh, if I said, I recently saw an interview with Joel Stolper, who plays Enoch, and they asked him, when does uh, Ian show finally show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And he said that uh, he, they would kill him if he ever admitted exactly when he shows up, which I tend to believe that means that he actually will, is going to show up. They uh, said if, if. Uh, why, so I, well, no, that was just the way I phrased it. It may oh. not have been an if. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, we're at the halfway point. We haven't seen him yet. So, well, at least we know he's alive and he's probably taking care of their baby, but we're not going to hear about that for right well, now. Well, we don't even know that's true. Well, I do. I just feel it. She's, they've had plenty of time. They had plenty of time to have a baby and everything while they were waiting to go get everybody in the future. And that's all there is to it. So that's my, that's my take on it. And it looks like we're, once we're done here, we're going to be, some people are going to be stuck in 1982 and some others won't be, but let's get on with this program. Okay. I want to talk now. <laughs> yes, dear. Okay. So just like every episode, we start out with giving my lovely wife a chance to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. And apparently she's chomping at the bit. Uh, so the floor is yours, my dear. My thank you, darling. And let me just tell you that this is what I want to talk about today because we've been in here for now. Don't exaggerate. 15 minutes. Okay, that's probably, that's probably fair. Setting up the camera. And why, and why are we doing that? Because we don't do it the same way every time. That's true. Because we're, we're kind of experimenting, trying to find out what works best for us. Well, because I'm not looking at the camera a lot. I'm doing a lot of this um, ADHD moves where I'm looking up and down and around. Well, I mean. And a lot of down. And I doubt you'll find anyone who's looking 24-7 at the camera. But I should things. be at least addressing the audience. So. Um, so, and of course, the other problem that we have is every time we say, okay, you're ready to record our podcast. 
that is open invitation for anybody and everybody to ring our doorbell, decide they want to come by and visit. Right. That's in that true. Half. And even, even though we are social distancing, there's about a half a dozen people that come to this house regularly because that is all they do. They are either at their own homes by themselves or they're here with us. <coughs> and some of those people, you know, are caretakers. And some of those people are my daughter who is also a caretaker for my son. So those people are here. And of course she lot. brings, she brings her, you know, our grandson. Uh, and I swear that's all we have to do is even mention that we might be recording this podcast. And the doorbell rings. And, and even if we were waiting until, okay, it's six thirty, seven o'clock in the, right, and everything, and they're not, they're not coming. We're going to go ahead and do this. Ding dong. <laughs> they, they the which, we, which we don't care because we love them. No, our heart. But, but, but I swear. It seems like it's every single time. And, and we're trying to get this thing done. And, instead of you know while we're you know we are certainly waiting because we know any time they're going to get there and then you know three hours later nobody shows up now you would say in the uh uh in this time and day where communication is at a premium why not just text them call them find out where they are are they coming over are they not well even yesterday they right they kind of made it sound like they were and then suddenly next thing you know there they are right so there you go anyway but uh uh you know and then it's all good but it doesn't matter because then then they're here and then i like them being here the only thing more consistent about for someone to show up at our house when the doorbell rings is for uh Wherever we park out in a parking lot at a store, the, the, the person's going to be coming, uh, and the car Whoever, right next to us yeah, is coming is The coming person out. next to us, either either someone parks right next to us, or somebody's coming out from the store that is right next to us. Okay. Right um, okay. It's a 99% chance that whenever we go back out to the car, the person in the car next to us is at their car. Yep. That's a fact. Oh. Anyway, so that's that. There we did it. We I'm telling y'all the... <laughs> thrice daily swill that you don't care about <laughs> which uh, pretty much encompasses most of it. Right, so now let's get down let's get down okay, to so you, you agents must, of shield okay so now so first of all let's the name of the episode is adapt or die adapt or die that's right so so who, who who's who there <laughs> uh who adapts well i see everybody adapts yeah um but the, the main the main thing is is that the chronicons are adapting. They're adapting right. to uh, things they're learning as as we travel right. through time. Um, so okay, so the episode starts out with the world famed Sybil the Predictor. Right. And basically, Luke, the main chronicon or the main hunter chronicon, is basically grousing that hey, all these great plans that you've laid out for so far ain't working. I don't think you know what you're doing. <laughs> and of course, she's she tells him that no, he said we wanted them to reveal where this effort to reveal where it's at. It did. Uh, Nathaniel Malik has taken Daisy and Sousa and Colson and uh, May are being held at the base so they're all divided so we're, we're right on schedule. Right. So we're going to go ahead and start the next phase of our uh, plan which is to activate more chronicons, right. uh, more hunter chronicons. Uh, in the meantime of course now Max already launched his missiles and destroyed the InSight mm-hmm. satellite. And he knows he's given away for position, but at least at that moment, nothing's happening. So right. everything's good. But all Mac is thinking about is my parents are on the base. I gotta go save my parents. Right. Of course, he's mad at Deke when Deke and Yo-Yo arrives for killing Malik because right. he said, "I didn't tell you to kill him. I told you to bring him back." And of course, you know, 
Deke is trying to explain, hey, he was causing more ripples. Right. So they said, well, I ain't got time for that because I want to go save my parents. Right. Uh, so Yo-Yo says, well, then I'm going to go ahead and go along with you. And there's no going to be any argument about that. Right. So they're going to go save his parents. They want uh, Deke and them to try to find Daisy and Sousa. And, of course, they're still waiting for the response that they're pretty much assuming they're going to get from the Konakoms for revealing their location, which, which is what ends up happening. Uh, so, of course, once they, you know, once Mac decided to not flood the base, May and Colson got captured. Right. You know, so they bring him into Stoner to talk to him. And, right. and he's, <laughs> that's why he had a stake on his eye where May socked him. Um, of course, he was disappointed. He said, because this was going to be my celebratory steak, <laughs> and instead of using it for an ice pack. Uh, but, uh, and of course, they're trying to locate who shot down the ship. I mean, right. shot down the satellite, the InSight satellite. Uh, but the system's kind of going off on its own. Right. And it's, right. Locked, it's locked in on Zephyr 1. Uh, but the Stoner is sitting there telling him, it's okay, don't fire until I'm telling you to. Right. But they're saying, it's doing it by itself. We're not controlling it. And right. Colson told him, said, the chronopounds have taken over your computer system. And of course, I thought it was funny where Stoner told yeah. him, said, <laughs> uh, yeah, he said, I didn't bring you here to, for you to speak. He said, right. well, and I'm thinking, well, well, you didn't bring me here at all. Those guys did. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, so they're trying to, trying to convince, said, you know, you didn't really want that satellite to launch anyway. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Of course, then the, the base launches its missiles. Right. Enoch does the best he can to avoid him uh, launching countermeasures right. to try to avoid from getting hit, but he gets hit by one. Right. And of course now... I don't know what's wrong with me. I keep yawning. You're not boring me. I think it's because no, oh, it must be the four, the four and a half minutes of sleep I got last night. Okay, so at this point, Sorry. why do you think Stoner would even believe what May and Colson are telling considering that she's sucked him? Uh, and apparently they were saboteurs since he, they had a whole bag of explosives on them. I mean, all this stuff is already, there's already things have happened. Which was actually, to me, is another thing, you know, did they take the explosives they planted back off? How many explosives did they have? Apparently they had more than they needed because he still had a whole bag full. It doesn't even matter because... Uh... So anyway, so he thought they were saboteurs because they were carrying right. a bag of explosives. Uh, and of course he's sitting there telling her, so, so you're, uh, I forget the name that uh, she gave him, uh, but he said, but you're not her. He said, no, I'm Melinda. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She said she was, um, her name was, uh, oh, Cal. Why did you, why did you say that? I could have told you what it was because it was, it was kind of funny. Her name was, um, um, Chastity. Yeah. Chastity McBride. <laughs> you're right. Chastity McBride. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, he said, yeah, so I course, guess your name's not Chastity. And Colson's going, well, I think the explosives would have uh, let him know that we're not who we said we are. Uh, so it was a bag of explosives. <laughs> and of course, like I said, you know, when they're trying to convince Stoner that, yeah, you know, killer robots from outer space are taking the base, mm -hmm. it sounds a little ludicrous even coming out of their <laughs> coming out of their mouths. Yeah, sure. uh, but they ask him to, hey, you know, let us help you. We're, we're here to help you. And he says, no, have you guys recently just visited Wilford Ballack? I said, yeah, but of course he's Hydra. So, well, he's dead. So I think you're going to be staying right here. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, while he's talking to him, another agent, female agent comes in right and 
she gives Stoner a message, right. but she comes in and t- sits there and tells Holson and May that, that this was this was my very first assignment, and you guys sure did make a mess of it. So she goes behind him and touches them both on the shoulders. I hope you enjoy your time in jail. And of course, Stoner said, "Hey, we try to be professional here." Uh, but of course, the minute he touches, she touches May. May, May said, "Hmm, I'm getting nothing from you, babe." Right. I say, which is again, I think it's, we'll discuss it in a bit when we get back. With it's her. very convenient that she has this strength. Right. I say, it, she it, has it, this thing because now she can tell who, who the Chronicon. Right. Chron- she's basically become a Chronicon smoke alarm. Yeah. Or, <laughs> right? or, or, or and of course, or detector. The, right. And the main reason it works is because these dummies keep touching her. Right. Uh, if they would uh, not touch her, she wouldn't know. Yeah. But again, so, so she touched uh, May, and May, of course, realized what she was. So then when they, they tell Stoner that we need, to, we need you downstairs in the basement because we found a way to override the system, but we need you to do it. Mm-hmm. So he goes with them, and May and uh, Colson are sitting there talking, and May says that, hey, that agent, the Chronicon. And of course, then they get into a discussion about May and her lack of feelings, uh, and Colson is used to the, I guess even the, the Chronicon Colson is used to the old May. Said, you know, you may not have feelings, but usually you at least tell me what you're thinking. Right. And you're not even doing that. And of course, uh, <laughs> she was then happy to oblige him. Right. Which is, I thought was interesting. So she basically, without, you know, because she can't get any feelings off of him, she's basically expressing her own feelings, which right. is, you, you know, you have died numerous times and I have mourned you each time. I'm just basically, I'm done. I'm not mourning you anymore. Right. Uh, and of course, I'm certainly not mourning whatever you you are now <laughs> right <laughs> and of course he says well thank you at least you're giving me something right and he said uh or are you just imitating what i do i'm doing and then he said they're thinking and said i think that's what the chronicons are doing he said they said when they talked to me on the train they said they adapt they're realizing that to integrate more with the humans and to fool them they need to act more like the humans correct so obviously so what if they're taking humans and basically passing along their personalities into a chronicon and taking over that way right he said yeah sounds like and they're just and their next target is stoner because they just took him downstairs so of course then colson snaps his cuffs off like they're nothing uh and takes maze off so they know where to go right okay so let's get into something we discussed because we will rewatched the episode before we started the podcast uh as far as you right over there? I'm sorry. I I I'm I'm not bored with this. I am just apparently well, don't have any oxygen. <laughs> okay, George. Uh so uh okay, so so they had taken the one of Stoner's agents and took him down there and stole his, you know, took his face like they have it. But that is, we're assuming that they didn't put him into the machine. They just took his face and did their normal uh erasure format. Right, right, right. But Stoner, they were going to go the full route and transfer the whole personality, everything. So, why do you think? What would be the difference for using just the the minimal amount of work for one guy and then going the full route on well, the other? Well, it, I, I I'm assuming that they did that just for the look of it, anyway, so that he thought people that he recognized were down there doing something, and it was safe for him to walk in there. That's the only option i can see and then of course but it was annoying to me because here you you're you're having you're transferring personalities and stuff in some people but yet not in others and well like i said how long and, and i gotta i gotta reboot this thing 
Sorry. Uh, so what's the problem? I got two problems. I know Mac's parents died, but I didn't think they died when they were very young. At the time that they have taken his parents, they would have been probably four and six or six and ten. And are we talking about the children, not yes, the parents? Talking right? about, no, I'm talking about Mac and Mac, his brother. Right. And my, assum my assumption was that his parents died later in life because they left the house to the brother. Right, which is the first time we really heard about him is when he went to go visit his brother and he was behind the mortgage on his parents' Correct. house. Which, um, okay, say so, and that's you know, because they didn't designate exactly when Mac's parents passed away. No, but he it had, had been a little bit, of, I guess, a time for him to fall behind on the, for the brother to fall behind on the mortgage. Well, you know, that, that could take six months, it could take two years, it all depends on the mortgage company and how it works. But here's the thing, um. But they certainly didn't die as young as they did in this no, time. No, no, and that's my question. If he took his skin, when did he take his skin? When the kids were little? Were these chromacons of when they were little? Or is this just a whole other timeline that went and jumped on top of it? And how did that happen? Yeah, I'm assuming, this, I mean, these were kind of off on the, one of these alternative branches things right. for this. So I'm guessing that, but see, and that, and that whole thing makes me wonder, you know, as far as, you know, how Mac felt about it. I mean, he already knew his parents were dead, at least in his original timeline. Uh, so, But they were dead of whatever, whatever caused happened. That, right? And, 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 and they, obviously it was further out than, much than further being out. six yeah. years old or oh, 10 yeah, years much old. Further out. Uh, so maybe it's because, and, and I don't even know if Mac was around when his parents originally passed away. He was out, you know, doing shield stuff, but apparently this touched him more because he was there, even well, though they aren't really. Him out of the I know, plane. but they weren't really his parents. But he did know that. But still, know, that's kind of like killing him in a right. way. And, and, and I think, you almost kind of got to get your thoughts and, and together. And you almost about think that's kind of the way he took it because you know he kind of missed, missed it up when he shoved his mother out, out the hat. Even though he's a big. And on a, on robots and LMDs and crap. So yeah, I say well, he, I don't know. I, okay, so in the meantime, as you know, last episode we said that Gemma was struggling a bit with her memory, we, and it had something to do with as you what you called like the predator, like lights yeah. in the back of her neck. Uh, so we found out some more information about what had happened there. Right. Uh, and of course, this was right after the missile had hit the right uh, Zephyr. And, and they had to repair right because the the, right because the shielding had collapsed right and the shielding is what protected the ship when it made its jumps mm -hmm. uh, so she needed to fix it but she couldn't remember how to do it and of course she told Enoch and he sent, Enoch told her said don't worry he said I'm gonna go take care of you so he took her off so he's starting to work on her and Deke shows up and sees what that's what he can tell is Enoch's some planting some kind of a thing in her head right so. He sneaks behind him, uh, heats up the defibrillator pads, and electrocutes Enoch. Right. Uh, and, of course, then he wakes Jim up and says, hey, Enoch's a traitor. We need right. And she's looking around and sees Enoch on the ground. So, what'd you do? Mm -hmm. So, of course, the we, what we come to find out is that implant in Jim's neck is basically something she designed. Right. Okay. And what did she call it? Diana. Diana. And what did she say about Diana? That they were um, 
that they were inseparable, uh, that she was adorable and they were inseparable. Right, you know, because when I first heard that, when we first watched the episode and, and apparently wasn't paying attention, I almost thought she was talking about her daughter, which she obviously wasn't, she was talking about the implant, but she named it Diana. Uh, and of course she said, Diana is acting up. Right, and yes. So, uh, so, but uh, Enoch got to work on her a little bit before he got electrocuted. And of course now, Deke is asking her, okay, so what the heck's going on? Uh, you know, if he wasn't doing that, so I need you to give me some answers because all I saw was Creepy Town USA starring <laughs> you and him. <laughs> so I want some answers. So she tells him about Diana. He says that he was fixing it, but we need to get this Zephyr fixed. So right. basically he's going to help her fix the Zephyr. Uh, so they go ahead and get that done. And, and that brings up something that I can't remember if we talked about this or not. Do you think that the, that implant in the back of her neck is connecting her somehow to Fitz? I feel like it's not because what it's doing is it's 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 um, allowing her to forget things right. It's suppressing that are, her. are that are important to right. her it's and try to remember things like how to fix the Zephyr, which I think maybe part of that implant could be just a knowledge. Um, but well, that's why I wonder if he was linking to Fitz because normally doing those kinds of repairs would have been Fitz's gig. Not... Well, true, and then you got to remember Deke is a product of Fitz, right? Which is why he has, which is a... why he helped her right. uh, get repair. the repair done, right? Uh, because, uh, but I, I was just curious, you know, said because she seemed to have a lot of engineering knowledge now that she probably didn't before. Just curious if it was some. I'm sure that there's some of that. And it could have been Ada-like information. In other words, here's a almost like a small hard drive that's embedded in that Diana thing that maybe. So we just helped. put all that information, so you have it. So when you yes, need it, you can access it. Which, it. which is also a very good possibility. Right. Okay. So anyway, and I'm so, sure that Fitz designed it. Uh, between the two of them, they designed it. Right. Because I know it's a biotech implant, so she had, you know, she designed it, but I'm sure he probably had something to do with, with it, with, with the with mechanical the parts, yeah, right? Well, with the information that was. And I'm saying it's kind of funny because like when, when they scan it from the side, it looks really small, but when they showed it, kind of, it looks really big, but it's obviously not because when they show it from the side scan of her neck, it's a tiny little thing. Right. But uh, when they looked at it up close, it looked like this big... Well, you know, that's giant. what happens when you're like doing, like when you're Intricate drawing work, right. and you blow your thing up really big so that you can... Same thing. Okay, so... <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so anyway, so they repaired the Zephyr, and then Enoch comes to, and Enoch finishes repairing the implant. So Gemma, uh, while she's getting ahead of Gemma, uh, let's try it again. Deke is standing there, and Gemma kind of clears her throat. Right, because she's like, uh, you need to give Enoch an apology, because you knocked him out. Right, and he actually almost reluctant to do it. Like, like Well, I think he was like... I didn't know when the perfect timing was. Thanks for mentioning it. Uh, and, and basically, like you have to do with every child. Right. And I assume that she's the one who made him tell him that uh, you're an important part of our family. Yeah, exactly. Which because I was like, he is. Right. So uh, it was kind of like talking to Uncle, Uncle Enoch. <laughs> uh, so uh, he apologized for doing that. So uh, on they went. Right. So now the Zephyr is, is, is back fixed. So we, as we said, Mac and Yo-Yo are going to rescue his parents. So they basically do the old-fashioned breakout where they cut a giant hole into the cell. And, of course, they come in there, and first thing Mac does is hugs his mother. 
which of course most of, who is this really right. large person yeah, well, right hug, and of course and, and that's what her husband is saying say, hey dude hey. what are you doing <laughs> uh so he saw I apologize ma'am sir and of course uh the, then the next thing he does is it introduces them to yo 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 says it's my girlfriend and she said they're thinking well these strangers don't need to know that um, director mac, mac lamore <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, because he, I guess he keeps forgetting that they don't know who he is, uh, and he's not supposed to know who they are theoretically. Well, and here, yeah, whatever. So that's and of course, that, and they're and they're supposed and they're confused about why they're even were captured anyway. So we're right. we're not anybody. And I thought it was, it was kind of cute. When he says, "No, you're you're not nobody. <laughs> you're important." Uh, so okay, so he tells them, "Just if you just do what I say, we'll get you, we'll get right. you home." Right. Okay. So he's leading them through the. Uh, through the place, and uh, they run into a dead end. And of course, now the dad's getting a little upset. You're supposed to be taking it to safety. Yeah, you're trying to help us. Right, but now you've got right. And of course, now all Max sees is I'm trying to help him, and he's testing me. Right, right. So, but he falls back on what basically you know what he knows of his dad, which his dad had a love of cars, and and, and he was mechanically right. So he tells his dad, said, "Hey, this." These door locks are much like the brake calipers on a car. So they clamp the door. And so if you, you know, you trigger them loose, they will let go of the door and the door will open. Mm-hmm. He said, well, we can't. And I thought it was interesting because he said, well, we can't mess with the rotors. Again, going to the automotive section. So, but if we find the hydraulic line, we can probably cut that. So Max said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So it kind of gets him on board with that. Uh, in the meantime, as they're trying to get it open, Mac hears the chronocoms coming. So he tells Daisy and them to keep working on the door. But right before that happens, his father, who's got his arm up into the mechanism, gets hurt. He doesn't know how bad, but the father, his dad tells him it's, it's nothing. Right. He just, you know, uh, passes it off. So he says, okay, then you guys stay here, keep working on the door. I'm going to go out and deal with the chronocoms so they can't get anywhere near you. So in the meantime, of course, Nathaniel had captured Daisy and Susa. And as we said last time, Nathaniel was basically just wanting to recreate Daniel Whitehall's work. Right. I'm still not sure exactly why Nathaniel has got suddenly a, a, a bug up his rear that he wants powers. And it was basically what, you know, unlike Whitehall, who was just wanting to extend his life. Nathaniel's wanting the powers that she's got. Well, I feel like Nathaniel saw what she could do. Yes, he did. Right. He's, and now he's like, uh, yeah, I'll take that. Um, I mean, just that's just, is that your immediate thought when you see someone who does that? said, so, I want I'm what they got. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. What I see, every time I see any of these powers, I'm going, I could use that. So, of course, and especially them quaking powers. Right. I so, like so, you know, he knew Daisy had powers and he's thinking Sousa has powers mainly because he hasn't aged, really. Yeah. But he's and, mistaken because right. he doesn't realize. Daisy's going, yeah, that's not what you think of it. Right. But he thinks he must be inhuman as well. Right. So, his plan is also to get whatever Sousa has as well. well he's now, gonna... I have a question for you. Okay. Go ahead. Around what year was it that Whitehall supposedly took Jai Yang's, cut her up into pieces? I am not sure what the year was. I know, of course, you know. Of course, right now they're in 1976. 
Right. Daisy had to have been born after 76. Yes. Um, Apparently, Mac was alive before 76, but Daisy was young, is younger, of course. So. Right. So she would have had to have been born after 76. And how is it that, see, the, this part of the timeline, I don't know if, it's kind of confusing so, yeah. me a little bit. Well, I realize that they went with, that we had, and and just like um, what's her name was saying, Sybil was saying that there, you know, all those timelines, there there was many of them. Was see, many you know, and, and that's another thing, actually, that uh, we're, and we're going to get to with Sybil, uh, but we'll kind of mention it here now is that, you know, Sybil doesn't uh, predict the future. She she actually looks at the past and says that she sees. The different ways that well, you can r- arrive at the same. That's because she's in the future. She's in, she's already we actually, ahead. We, we, well, she's is she in she's the future? not. Yes, of course she's in the future. She is the future. She is where they are. That's why she can predict what's going on. She already knows what happened, and she's manipulating. Well, the, well, I think she's manipulating the past. So, See the way I understood it, and you know, I maybe, could be wrong. maybe well, you know, well, no, I'm no, probably the fact, wrong no, now. The now. fact that she's in the future, I don't doubt that because she's, you know, basically it's just kind of like a digital thing, so she can be where she wants there. But I, you know, the way she explained it, she explained it like uh, I read the, you know, the the time the time waves from the past and see the different ways that you can reach the same future. Right. So by just adjusting this and adjusting that you can still get there but a different way mm-hmm. and in their case what they want to do is skip shield so that they can take over the earth right uh but we'll get say we'll get back to Sybil because Sybil I thought that whole conversation between her and Colson was really interesting yeah uh and one of the best parts of it but getting back to uh Daisy and Sousa with Nathaniel mm-hmm. um so like I said he wants to get her powers so he takes her to his laboratory, which is apparently just in the next ro- next room, and basically takes some blood samples from her, takes some spinal fluid samples from her. Now, I didn't understand if he was saying that he actually took some glands from her yeah. or took you know uh, liquid from her glands. No, I said he took he took uh, yeah he took tissue. He took so glands. he took actual tissue. I thought he well, did. See, the reason I said it because he said that if this you know he was going to take this what he got, process it, and inject it and give it to himself. Right. He said, if this doesn't work, then we're going to go from needles to knives. Right. Well, if well, maybe you, take, you had to take a gland out, you would have had to use a knife. You couldn't take it out with a needle. No. But you might be able to get whatever substance is in the gland right. out of it. Maybe so. Whatever. So, I mean, not that it really matters. I mean, the fact of the matter is he uh, extracted some of the stuff from her. Right. And apparently he extracted the right stuff from her because he gets her powers. Right. So, anyway, so they bring... They bring her back to Sousa, who's sitting there, and she, and Daisy is saying that this has happened before. And, of course, we knew this. What happened with Jiang, her mother? Right. Now, again, exactly if that's what actually transpired in this particular timeline, we don't know. We just know that she's going by what she knew. Well, we know that Whitehall is <coughs> in jail. Well, so we were, he was originally in jail. Yeah, well, yeah that's right, because that's where he called him from. So he was in jail from the original imprisonment from World War II. And again, again, there's so many, o- there's so many open holes here. Yeah, and and we don't know is Whitehall young in prison because he started because out. He's already done this other thing right because he started out, you know, not well, young. I mean, he started out. But Jiang had 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 Daisy before this terrible thing happened. She was she had already given birth to 
um, to to Daisy before uh, Whitehall had destroyed her. her. Right. right. But she had been living a lot longer before then. Yeah, like she was already like a thousand years old, I think. So anyway, okay, so hundred. She was so, so she was anyway, so uh, so Susa is trying to keep her awake you know, from this right. whole thing. So he, she had asked before, you know, when they first woke up and they were talking about how the drugs are, are making them feel. He said he hadn't felt that way since he had gotten injured in World right. War II. So and she, she said, let me t- tell me <clears throat> that story when I'm awake. Right, and right. when I can remember it. Right. So in trying to keep her awake, he uh, puts her head on his lap and he tells her the story of how he got injured and how a, a soldier ended up taking him back and kept him kept talking to him to keep him awake, tell him how they were going to go home. Mm. So he said, so I'm going to pass this on to you. I'm going to keep you awake. You are going home. So he said, but you need to, you need to fight. So when he says that, she holds up her hand. And right before they brought her back, we had heard a piece of gla- uh, glass break. Uh, and, the, you know, Nathaniel was telling him, hey, be careful with her. You know, so you're not right. taking out some drunk. You're, right. Uh, but come to find out, whatever that piece of glass was, she had it in her, in, her in her hand. So Susa pulls it out. It's a pretty good sized piece of glass. Uh, so he said, well, you got plenty of fight left in you. Mm-hmm. So he takes the glass. So then when Nathaniel's henchman comes to get Susa, he takes the glass and I'm assuming he kills him. I mean, well, uh, but he certainly uh, knocked him out. Right. He certainly took him out. So anyway, but he got the keys to the cuffs. So he unlocks his cuffs, unlocks Daisy and starts to carry her out. And Nathaniel, when the room starts to shake, and he's first thinking, is this, asking Daisy, is this you? Right. And it was Nathaniel, but Nathaniel has the same problem that Daisy had. In the beginning. Right, which, which was, is she can't um, control the power. And my, it's crushing my Right, bones. and it's making her it's bones crack. And, of course, then he also brings down the roof on top of it. Right. Now, as we had said when we just last watched this, that didn't look like a fatal... No, Blow, I, feel, though, I feel like he will be returning at some time. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, if he didn't show up, I wouldn't be surprised. If he does show up, I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Yeah. So anyway, so but basically he carries her on all, out of there because right. he's down. Um, so that's pretty much what went on with uh, Sousa and Daisy. Right. <clears throat> In the meantime, of course, we know that Stoner got taken down to the basement and they planned to Take his face Take off, his and, face and, off and, and transfer, transfer his it. memories to a LMD looking chronicle. Right. So, but before they got a chance to do that, there was May and Colson, and they stop him. Colson pulls the power from the thing. Stoner immediately sets up and tells mm-hmm. him, I believe you now. Right, right. And of course, he really believes him when he sees the bodies of his of the, agents of with the, their faces gone. Right. Uh, so, Daisy, oh, he's right, Daisy, right, right again. May tells Colson, you know that Mac is in here because Mac's going to come to get his parents. Right, right. So, okay, well, good. Why don't you and uh, Stoner go meet up with him? Right. So, so, so what are you, you going to do? Well, they keep talking about how the Chronicons are going to be coming up. Well, there's a ladder down. I'm going to go see where they're coming from. So he goes down the ladder. Colson goes down the ladder. Okay, so Colson goes down the ladder where they're coming up from. So when he does that, he goes into a chamber and there's a whole bunch of Chronicon hunters laying in stasis right and there's also a big control panel on the front that looks like something you'd stick your hands in so that's mm-hmm. what he does when he sticks his hands in he ends up where sybil's at right which is just a big white room uh very similar to where um uh fitz and simmons were when they were in their minds when they got um when they uh front mm-hmm. were trying to find out 
uh, how to time travel. Time, right, time yeah. travel. Okay, so it's just Colson and Sybil. And Colson, you know, asks you know, where he's at and ask her, and she's basically answering every question he's got for. Her. And he sits there and tells her, he says, so I noticed that you're, you're not holding back answering any question I had. She goes, well, I don't see any reason not to. So, okay. So, uh, basically it comes down to, you know, he asks him, so why should you guys get the earth? You know, Colson's asking Sybil, so why should you guys get the earth instead of us, instead of humans? Which I think it's funny that he still considers himself human, even though he's right. not. But, but, but that's how he qualifies himself. Uh, and she goes, mainly it's because unlike humans, we will not die. Said, uh, and eventually we will get the earth anyway because you guys are gonna right. you're gonna run out of time basically. Right. And he said, "Well, number one, you're mistaken because even though you know we will die, we have commitment." He, he said, "There's three factors that right, you're not that considering." considering right? He said, "We have commitment. Uh, we will put in the the effort to do it, and we're not going to stop." And again, he put himself into this category. Right. He says, and you're also wrong about another thing. And that is, I stopped being afraid of dying a long time ago. He's had plenty of experience. That. He's died three times. Uh, he said, and dying is kind of my superpower. So right when he tells her that. So, okay, let's back up the truck for a minute. Yeah. Because we had this discussion again. She said the reason they wanted Earth was to... Uh, maintain their species, right? Because she was, uh, now to me that would mean you're afraid that your species is going to cease to exist. Isn't that being like afraid of dying? And as I pointed out, it's the existence of the species, not necessarily the, and they would not have had an issue had the sh strike not. Um, destroyed their planet. right, and and again, and we discussed this last time, and I think we discussed it a couple of times. So why I'm not? Assuming, why? I'm assuming there is a minute uh, a form of organic matter that comprises them. I, I, I'm going to say that that has to be something to it, as far as the chronicoms go. Yeah, because um, I don't know. I just feel like there's some kind of because. Um, in a way, Enoch kind of has free will a little bit. Was Enoch, and, uh, you, and, we and yes, he, yes, he's a little different. Yeah, he's still. And, and they will they will sit there and tell you that he's different. Of course, they think he's different because he's basically siding with the humans against his own people. With it, with this. Well, uh, and I said, and, there's that, <laughs> right? And, and of course, to me, Enoch's different. And again, I don't know if he's mimicking human emotion, but he shows them. Like I said, sort of like you know when they decommissioned him. Uh, Look like human self-pity to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he started saying that the name Enoch is going to be a cautionary tale for children. <laughs> right. uh, and the foul stench of it. <laughs> uh, those have been great stuff. Oh, uh, but uh, when he, uh, How about when him and Fitz were at the... Um, when him and Fitz were on Kit... Kit... Um, Kit... Kit uh, Kitson. And they were in the gambling thing and... Uh, the, Oh, like go, what was me? Yeah, say, uh, uh, that's yeah, great. Though. I say, yeah, he got so human self pity down really good. Uh, so anyway, so and again, so we, I'm not sure why they just didn't follow their original plan was to go back in time and stop the uh, Shrike from destroying your planet instead yeah. of deciding that no, the only option we want is to take the Earth. Uh -huh. So anyway, so <clears throat> so Colson talks to her and basically you know says the dinosaur superpower. 
he comes back to the control panel uh, and remembering what May had told him that said, you never die. He said, you always come back. Right. So he gets on the radio and tells May, he said, hey, I found her ship. I hope you're right about this other thing. <laughs> so he sets the explosives down and just blows up their ship right. along with him in it. Just takes them all out. Uh, and it reminded me of the line that Glenn Talbert yeah, had told you, him and said, you die more than any man I've ever known. Yeah, but, uh, so once again, he did it again. Yeah, so he's dead again. Okay. Well, so, whatever he is. Right. He's not existing at the moment. Right. So, But he's going to come back in one form or another, apparently. Right. Well, we did see a little bit of a preview, and he does look like Max Headroom in the next episode. <laughs> but anyway, but that's the only thing, because they don't have enough uh, of the... Um, I don't think they have enough of the technology quite yet to make another. Right. I mean, no, they could over easily. there. That, oh, okay. Let's, I, I, I just have some thoughts. So let's not go there because I want to see the next episode because now I have a thought. Okay. So he's not there. But yet his memory of everything to transpire to that how point did, is. Yeah. But, and how did they get that though? Well, Deke, that, we got Deke in the picture, right, well, so he's kind of smart that way. As you I say, that that'll probably get answered in this next episode. Well, well and he and no, you stop. Okay, um, <laughs> it's too easy to get off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. So let's let's. Uh, okay, on. so in the meantime, Mac is taking on the Chronicoms, right? Uh, and he's holding his own pretty well, sure. uh, at least until the uh, Luke, the head Chronicom, yeah. gets a hold of him again and draws his weapon. Right. He draws his weapon, and then Stoner and May show up, and Stoner shoots him. Right. Puts him down. So they and basically... talking about Luke, not Mac. Go ahead. Right. She's a, right. Well, they might have shot Mac, too, if they... No, yeah. no. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so right. So they shoot Luke down, and they say, okay, we're going to go head to the Quinjet. Mm-hmm. Uh, May stops long enough to thank Stoner for helping her. Yes. And shakes his hand. And for the second time now, she kind of reacts kind of weird every time she shakes his hand. So what what do you think's up with it's that? Sexual energy, right? right. It's almost what I get the feeling I got. It's like just, yeah, <laughs> so he's putting off a vibe. That, hey, uh, they're getting ready to go into the eighties. Well, I know one thing's for certain that it's not because she thinks he's a chronicom, because uh, she would have done something about that had it been oh, the yeah, case. For sure. uh, but yeah, it's some kind of a like I said, we call it sexual energy, but it, it's something that makes her think twice, whatever she's shaking his hand. Uh, and of course, so now... And she kind of wanted to shake it off. Like, like, no thanks. Okay, so in the meantime... In the meantime, so they're going back to the Quinjet, and they all get on the Quinjet, and when May comes in, they say, hey, what happened? To, where's Colson at? And then she says, he's gone. And they go, what, was he in that explosion? He said, yeah, but he'll be back. He, right. always, he always does. So they take off on the Quinjet. Right. Now, in the meantime, Max is talking to his dad and showing him the engine, you know, talking about the engines mm-hmm. on the Quinjet. And when Mac turns around to go, the father leans over and tells May, thank you for coming to save us, and touches her shoulder. These guys don't learn. The end. Right. So, of course, May. Well, see, they don't know this, and May really needs well, to make where, that a secret. Well, that's where we're, we're having a mispredictor. Sybil, doesn't she realize what's going on there? I don't think so. Apparently not, not because yet. because not they because anyway. they keep touching her, and of course May realizes that oops, yeah. Max Dad's a chronicon. so she puts the plane in autopilot and puts it in a holding pattern. So then she called, you know, gets Mac to the side, said, right. and Mac wants to know, so hey, how come we're circled? Yeah. Said because we can't take them back to the Zephyr. Said well, why? Because 
when he touched me, I didn't do anything. He's a corporate cop. And of course, Mac doesn't want to believe it. He said, no, right. that can't be. We got to him in time. Right. There's no way that happened. She said, well, you said he hurt his arm. Check his arm. He said, if he's a grown up, a guy, right. you'll know. Right. So Mac doesn't want to do it, but he kind of need to. So he asks, says, asks his dad, say, can I see your arm? He says, just a scratch. He said, I said, I know, but we need to, you know, make sure May knows that you're good. So can I look at your arm? And he's still kind of holding on and said, I really need to look at your arm. And of course, the, his mother is saying, what are you alone? What are you doing? And he goes, no, that's fine. He rolls up the sleeve and of course, there's the metal under the skin and he immediately grabs Mac by the throat. And of course, then the mother starts grappling with Yo-Yo and May. Uh, so in the fight, Mac asks uh, his dad, you know, so where are my parents? He said, well, they've been gone a while. He said, and we harvested their skin. Uh, and we, we were going to have a good time with you. And of course, that charges Mac up and he starts uh, fighting a little harder. And then Daisy gets a hold of him and snaps his neck. Which is when we first saw that, like I said, I can't. Oh, Excuse me, not Daisy. I'm sorry. Yo-Yo snapped yes. his neck. Thank you. But again, when I first saw that, I keep forgetting that Yo-Yo still has the robotic arms. They just look like regular arms now. So when she did that, I'm thinking, man, that seemed awful easy for you considering you just had regular right. hands. Because that didn't have nothing to do with her speed. No, but it, it does have to do with her strength. For sure. But I mean, I'm just saying. But like I said, because she has normal arms, I forgot right. that she had the, still had the robotic arms. Anyway, so, so she took him out. In the meantime, May jumps in the pilot seat. Uh, Yo-Yo opens up the hatch. Mm -hmm. She puts the plane in a climb, and the dad slides out the hatch. Right. So then uh, Matt grabs a hold of his mom right. and is forcing her to the hatch. And, she, of course, she's starting to now sitting there telling him, don't do this, Matt. Don't do this, Alfie, which right. is what – and, of course, he shoves her out of the plane. Right. So – now that uh, that's been done, now, this is, like I said, we talked before, this has hit Mac relatively hard. Right. Uh, so they get back onto the Zephyr, and Daisy and uh, Sousa have gotten back to the Zephyr. Daisy's in the same healing chamber that May was. Right. And uh, Sousa's sitting there, and they're getting ready to jump again. Right. And they give him a chance yeah, to so, want to get uh, off. Yeah, but, you know, because he had expressed a feeling that he was done doing all this time yeah, jumping. Right. So Jim, uh, Jim asked him, okay, so we're getting ready to jump. This is your last chance. You want to get off? And said, no, this is where I need to be. So they make the jump, which was in 1982. Once they arrive in 1982, Mac decides he needs to get some air, so jumps on his motorcycle, grabs his leather jacket, because you can't be riding motorcycles out there with your cool leather jacket. Well, you know, and rides, he rides off, like you said, maybe a football field link right. away from the Zephyr. So Deke's going to go out there and talk to him because he knows a little something about losing his parents and everything. So he's going to go out there and talk to him. And right before he even gets there, Jimmy gets on the radio to Deke and says, there's something wrong. The ship's getting ready to jump again. You need to get back. Right. And Deke's sitting there telling Mac, hey, it's, there's yeah. something wrong well, with the Zephyr. We need to go. Right. And just oblivion doesn't pay any attention to it. And the ship disappeared. Which wouldn't matter anyway. One way or another. They would have never got back. No, they would never got even back. Even if he'd have turned around. But in this case, he didn't even turn around. Right. Uh, so the ship disappears, so they're Deke and Mac are now stuck in 1982. Right. And, and as I said in my article, they're probably are going to see my high school graduation. Yeah, right. It's important. They probably need to go there. It's a it's a natural historical. You really event. shouldn't tell everybody how old you are. They, I've made it quite clear. There's there's no your, there's no mystery. The gray hair alone should be able to right should tell you that. <clears throat> so, so that was pretty I'm much perfectly fine. I have no gray hair whatsoever. Uh, oh, go ahead. So as far as performers of the 
show for this week, you know, because mm-hmm. that was the end of the episode. Right. Uh, I gave it to Henry Simmons as Mac because he, Mac, you know, and, I, and as I thought he about it. He goes through a lot of crap. Right, and he's went through a lot of crap throughout the time he's been on the show. I mean, he's been possessed by uh, an alien. Mm-hmm. He's been possessed by the ghost writer. Right. Uh, he's, uh, you know, had issues with his brother. He's lost his daughter twice. He lost her the first time mm-hmm. and then lost her in the framework and right. lost her again. Uh, he's been on and off with Elena a couple of times. Right. Uh, he's not had a. Of course, I, don't, I think he's quit. She will at least two or three yeah. times. Keep saying, I'm going to it this time. And I'm, I'm not quitting. coming back. Uh, but uh, I thought that Henry Simmons did a great job as Mac in this episode. Yeah. I gave him a, a chance to. Uh, of course, uh, he's had a, a number of episodes where he's had a chance to show his emotions. And yeah. his, of course, there's not a person on that show that can't, uh, you know, put it out there when they I need know. to emotionally. I, I really do love. Uh, I was telling. Uh, Martin, as we were re-watching the episode again today, I said, you know, I am so invested in these characters and I totally feel for their anguish and their, just all of their emotions. I feel for them because this has become so, I hate to say this because I know it's a show, but it's really kind of real in my mind, (laughs) you know, like, which is why I want to know where Fitz is. And, and all these things, it's just, it's a very well-told story. It's a shame that the people, that more people don't watch this. I, I really think this is something that, this is, this is Game of Thrones audience worthy. It really is. And I, and I told her at the time, and it's true, that if after seven seasons, if you're not emotionally invested in them, then it's really not a good show. You wouldn't have watched it as long as you have. True. Uh, and of course, I think that was their initial problem to the first couple of episodes in season one well, is you I, didn't have an emotional investment in these well, people. And, and but I, you gathered, you gained it really quick. Yeah, but and I think that the problem or why people didn't follow is I think they were trying in their minds they were feeling like that this these the the marvel cinematic universe and the marvel television or or whatever should have merged here and and by keeping it separate i think it made the stories worth telling by just giving a nod to some of the things that were happening happening in the marvel cinematic universe i think that was it helped this and and also you know you had Kobe Smolders and some of those other people that were a part of that other um part of the uh, cinematic the universe. cinematic universe kind of dip in here and there those were very good um segues but and I, like i said and 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 after i watched that first episode again i think as many times as i've watched that first episode i have glazed over that part knowing why he was there and that something had happened and actually listening to the dialogue intently uh, that I did this last time when we watched the whole series again, uh, I found that, you know, and I've said in the past, I didn't think that they segued it very well, but I, now that I've seen it again for the fourth time, I (laughs) need to say, um, but I really do think they did segue it very well. And not so, I take back what I said. Well, it's a, and I think, you know, as you said, I think they they tied it in originally to different parts of it. I think they gave themselves a little more creative freedom by not 
being hamstrung. Yeah, and, 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 it made, and it made it so that the stories could kind of blossom instead of being shoved back into another hole. Right. Or all those people disappearing when Thanos snapped his fingers or anything like that that would have happened that could have created a ripple in their storytelling, which I, I really think that was a... Um, it was a great way for them to go. And it has made it more enjoyable as a whole story, a, a full and total story that has, like I said, those nods to those other things because they are part right. of that. And, and that, even now they're still making those nods yeah, you know, with here and, there. Susa right, and, right, right. and different so, things, which those things I feel like are really good tie-ins that don't hamstring them to, right. to a certain and, thing right and of course now of course this since being the last season now the hamstrings, right, right. the strings are cut uh, but um getting back to performances like i said mm-hmm. i also gave an honorable mention to uh, elizabeth hemstridge's gemma i love you know, gemma uh, gemma is my probably gemma and fifth of course are probably my favorite characters um just because of their dynamic you know what? There's just not one character in there that I just don't love. I love them well, all. Well, so I the, am sad when I am sad when they are sad, and I swear they they look like they're really sad when they're sad. <laughs> well, so, and of course that's what we have said before, especially when Gemma and or Ian uh, fits when they cry. They don't do these little baby tears. They do the full alligator. They're just, <laughs> yeah, they're they're in it, and it's and it's very actually real. same thing with the. Uh, Henry Simmons. So, so when he oh, does yeah, have to sure. do it, uh, he does it. Now, I had, now I've admitted in the past that sometimes Max's character sometimes it got on my nerves because I thought he was a little holier than Val. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it's kind of what makes Mac Mac. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly because he's got he's got his. And it's also explains <laughs> why we many times say that he's you know leave me alone but go be alone with my own principles. <laughs> right. My, uh, and of course, that's probably what would makes him a good leader, yeah. as far as you know. Again, well, even well, even with compass. you know, so, you know, and you know, you might question the fact that he sacrificed the chance of blowing up the light, you know, flooding mm-hmm. the lighthouse for his parents. Uh, well, again, his thinking is we're here to save lives, not take them. Right. Uh, so, in that sense, it makes sense. Okay, so where we are now, of course, we said Mac and Deeker in 1982. Correct. Uh, and apparently we're still going to have the robots involved, which right. I said should be right up uh, Max Alley. Because it looks like number five is alive. That's yeah, what it kind of looked like. Because uh, we all know that uh, Mac hates robots, so he likes hunting down robots. <laughs> right. so, uh, did you notice, though, when Deke thing looked like he was wearing a little eyeliner? <laughs> well, that's because it's 1980. Yeah, you think, yeah. He was doing a little flock of seagulls. Yeah. Of, uh, or not, not flock of seagulls, more like... Um, Man, uh, Adamant, or one of those guys, right? I said so, uh, but anyway, all the, 80s right. stuff. Uh, and of course, uh, apparently, they go back to the lighthouse and Deke's got it all with the hot tub, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, so that's hot tub time machine, yeah. Woo! <laughs> what an odd! So, we still have we still have questions, of course. Uh, you know, May she's expressing some feelings, will she get back her normal things? But right. I said that empathy thing has really worked out for them as far as. Uh, detecting chronicons. Yo yo, we still she still hasn't got her speed back. That we know. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that Daisy's going to get her powers back though. She couldn't she use them when she needs, was all. Well, she probably just needs some rest. I'm guessing. I hope. 
So, uh, and of course, Colson no, is... No fun if they don't, any of them have, don't have any powers. That's, right. that, that's just yeah, that's speaking the fun of, of it. Yeah, speaking of the power thing, and we mentioned this briefly, and I kind of thought it was interesting, is Yo-Yo and Daisy have been pretty much uh, the team's strongest agents mm-hmm. because of their powers. Right. Uh, so when Yo-Yo, who can't access hers, I, mean, I don't think she lost them, she just can't right, right, access right. them. So when Max said that he can't be out without his strongest agent, Yo-Yo kind of looked at him like, I hate you. Right. I'm, I'm still good. <laughs> Just because I can't go fast. Uh, but, but, and, and I may have read more into that. Than it, that's just kind of well, what, uh, that's kind of the look she gave him. But. Right. Uh, so anyway, so uh, that's uh, in, uh, episode six, Adapt yep. or Die. And, and the next episode is the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D. Excellent! <laughs> Anyway. So uh so anyway, so until that uh episode seven, we said we're past the halfway point. This is Martin. And I'm Kathy. We'll catch you again on another episode of Martin and Kathy's Coffee Bed. It's been our pleasure to present to you GVN's Martin and Kathy's Coffee Binge. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.